everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today we are reviewing Star Trek Prodigy Season 1 Episode 14, Crossroads. Like always, I'm your host Clarence and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who story himself. Cal Jones, how you doing, man? You know what? I am, as always, glad to be here. And as of this recording, this is the week after Thanksgiving. So I hope both of you had a great Thanksgiving along with all of our listeners. But yes, I'm thankful to be here. So glad to be here. As am I. And you know what we do normally on Thanksgiving, eat too much. I did that as well. So, you know, (laughs) you win some, you lose some because my stomach was tight, tight. Mm. Now you have to lose some. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. And that voice you hear there is none other than Jonathan Shorts. How are you doing, man? I am doing good, man. Doing good. Sorry I missed everyone last uh, recording. I'm getting ready for family coming in town and all that. So I kind of lost track of time. But I am excited to talk about this episode of Prodigy. And man, just when you think it wasn't going to get any better it got better oh my god oh my god so good but if you're new to this podcast or if you're a long time listener in any case thank you for subscribing and listening of course what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of star trek in somewhat excessive detail in addition to talking all things trek open a channel 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 to all decks we have feedback from the last Trek trivia that you had, John. If you can, can you please tell us what the last Trek trivia question was? All right. So on the last Trek trivia, we learned that a well-known actor, Jason Alexander, played the voice of the uh, Starfleet personnel in the last episode. Uh, my question was, what other character has he voiced in Trek? So what other character has Jason Alexander voiced or played or portrayed in Star Trek? Correct. And of course, we got feedback in for that from Harold Connor, who's always on it. So Harold writes, hey, Clarence, I didn't need to look this one up at all. Jason Alexander played the leader of the think tank, Kiros, on the Voyager episode named Think Tank. So thanks again, Harold, for sending that in. And actually, we have a special question from you to the audience of our listeners And even to us, I guess, at the end of this episode, thank you for sending that in. I really, really appreciate it. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get into our review of Star Trek Prodigy Crossroads, which was written by Lisa Schultz Boyd. The episode was directed by Stephen and Chang An and Sun Shin. When the crew attempts to secure transport to the Federation, they unwittingly cross paths with Vice Admiral Janeway, who is hunting them. Alrighty, for everyone listening, if you have not seen the episode Crossroads, put us on pause, go out, watch it, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. The spoiler warning has been dropped, and like always, we go right back to Mr. Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. Honestly, you never know. You never know. So I'm giving everyone listening a week off, or maybe several weeks off. I don't know what I'm going to be feeling like next week from my 
feeble attempts at being comedic, and I'm going to go serious, and I'm going to say the journey reaches a crossroads heavily influenced by perception rather than intent. Mm. Kyle, I feel like your your description should have been the title for this episode. (laughs) A fairly long title, but man, that sums it up. I loved this episode. We had a few Easter eggs, which I think we're going to come to. I don't know if you call them Easter eggs, call outs, cameo. Anyway, that was that was great. We kind of had a fun setting for this episode that we've seen do very well in other episodes of Trek. But just going back to Kyle's beats, it was a perception that caused that made this episode so great. Like it, it, I don't know how to explain it. I, you're on the edge of your seat and you're like, yes. you're almost there. You're almost there. And then it all falls apart. Mm. Not once, but twice, three times, four times. Mm. I'm no, no, <laughs> this can't be <laughs> do it already. And you're like, they leave you a little hope after each one. Like, okay, it's going to work out. And then it doesn't. And that made this episode so great. And then an action sequence that was so great kind of reminded me of the Star Wars racers. uh, Yeah, pod racers. (laughs) Yeah, pod racers. So there was a lot to love in this episode, and I really enjoyed watching it. Oh, man. To me, this episode was all about the freaking dynamics and the work they put into the storytelling up until this point, getting us to like these characters and crafting a story that all kind of mm. culminated to this meeting. You know, <laughs> everything we they played on so far culminated to this meeting. And it was and it was just fantastic. I mean, we keep talking about how good the writing is on Prodigy, but man, it was so good. And I'm gonna have to quote Kyle Jones on this one. This felt like a live action Star Trek episode to me. It, <laughs> it, it did. It had everything. To make me smile and, and think about the nostalgia of the past and and just this story that, again, that they've crafted so far. It just had everything in it, everything in it that I really love. And even even the end, they, they tie in all sorts of nuggets <laughs> of Trek into this episode. That, that was just so good. Kyle Jones, what, what do you got for me, man? Anything else to add? So, yes, I do. Uh, other than I 100 percent agree with everything the both of you just said, but I'm discovering not discovery, but discovering <laughs> that I'm having a major problem with Prodigy. Seriously. Uh-oh. It, I mean, really and truly, every time I sit down and get ready to talk about this, I'm re- every week discovering that more and more I have a problem. Do you want to know what my problem is? <laughs> oh, do, do, we, do we really have to go here? Do we really, I know no. what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Okay, all right, all right. What do you think I'm going to say? Let's see how good you really are what am i going to say it has to be some comment directed toward lower decks it, it just has to be because that, no. that <laughs> you are one million percent wrong oh i'm gonna venture a guess go for it jonathan your problem is you sit down with the mindset of watching an animated show and you forget it and you're no. surprised you are also one million percent <laughs> wrong 
even though I may have said that in the past, my problem with this is not really a problem at all. It is something extremely good because it seems like every week I want to say the exact same things that I've said before, but, but they all hold true. Everything that you guys just said is my problem. It is great writing. It is great characters. You forget it's animated. It is just good television. And I don't really care if I said that last week, and I really <laughs> hope I say it next week. So your problem is you sound like a broken record up here. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Long-winded and trying to be quirky and fun. But yes, I'm a broken record and proud of it. Man, let me say, and I know I missed uh, the review of the last episode, but I just have to throw this in here. Watching this episode after that episode, like that episode, I was kind of like you, Clarence, like it just gave you that classic trick episode feel. And then to compound it with this next one, like I feel like I'm watching TNG all over again. Yeah. And it feels like a natural progression of all of our good 90s and early aughts trick. It's just pushing all of that forward. And man, so good. Even to the point of these tie-ins, we, we talk about the tie-ins with Voyager, but we get tie-ins to almost everything into this. And I have to ask, what do you guys think about the decision to leave the ship? Now, I know it's kind of necessary, but that really shocked me to start this episode with that being the, the direction they were taking. I got a gripe. I have a gripe about that. Now, I hadn't seen a shuttlecraft, but I'm sure they had a shuttlecraft. But even if not, I know they have that badass rover thing. Yeah. Why didn't they take that? Well, I guess that. Well, I mean, well, I I think they can't guarantee that the virus or the uh, construct wouldn't latch on to that. If it'll latch on onto a uh, a calm signal, I, I think that it could possibly latch on to that as well. I would think, but you know, good point though. Mm -hmm. I mean, I totally agree with you. I was thinking like going back to kind of your question, would I have left the ship there? And I'm kind of like, you know what? Now that they do it, I'm like, why didn't we think about this before? Mm. But at the same time, at the same time, where <laughs> can you find a place to hide the protostar? You know what? It kind of gave me, and I don't know if they meant this as an Easter egg or as just what, what happened. It reminded me of Timeless a little bit because in Timeless, uh, yeah. the Voyager is under ice. <laughs> yes, I thought about that as well. Definitely gave me strong vibes, strong vibes from that. Yeah. And they make the decision to leave. And I love what Hollow Janeway says there. She says, whether you're gone for three days or three years with my system shut down, it will go down in a nanosecond. If you get into a pinch, look up the real Janeway. And that reminded me of what's the Voyager episode where the doctor's program gets copied and it winds up in some museum in the future. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot that episode. And he, it, to him, he's like, I just left these people. And now you're telling me they're enemies of the state. <laughs> yes. Yes. Kyle, so Janeway manages, the real Vice Admiral Janeway, manages to track down Bornis Fricks. What do you think about Janeway's demeanor here? Because, of course, we have the diviner there on her ship. And it just seemed like she's in a hunt down and kill mode, so to speak. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I think this is a misdirection. That's my thought. I still have faith in Janeway. And 
think about it, I'm having faith in Captain Janeway. I could only imagine what Admiral or Vice Admiral Janeway would be capable of imagining being that what we're seeing that she's of one mind and she's obsessive or she's really just not, you know, taking everything the diviner says with a grain of salt. No, I think she is calculating and we will see that when inevitably, and I still hope it's true, that we will see Janeway and Janeway head to head. And that's what I'm looking Mm. for. I'm looking for that as well, but this episode pointed out something to me, and I know on a previous review, I said, you know, this is just not like Janeway to jump to conclusions and, like you say, take everything the Diviner says with a grain of salt. Like, I just, I just, I would expect Janeway to be more curious, but, and I'm kind of jumping toward the end, but, you know, the first officer mentions to her, you're being emotional Mm. and making emotional decisions. And we all know through Voyager, yes, she stuck to the prime directive like a fly on honey until her emotions got involved and then everything was out the window. Like Mm. she was impulsive. She made a bad decision. She didn't care what anybody thought because it was an emotional decision. And what more emotional tie can you have than someone hurting Chakotay? Yeah, that so Jade way in so many ways. <laughs> so Jade way. She even utters the word savages when speaking of the protostar crew at one point. I mean, when her emotions are evolved, and like you said, all throughout Voyager, when she has to make an emotional des- decision, uh, she's always weighing that against the prime directive, but she does make many along the way. And she's often a captain that's driven by her gut. And, you know, that's kind of what she's doing here. I don't I don't think it's too oh, far. But I did love the, and I know I'm jumping around here, but I loved the interaction with uh, Vice Admiral Janeway and all and what she tells him like that was so Janeway. And at that moment, again, that's one of those moments where you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to get there. And then it kind of drops us. But like, I I feel like just in that moment, I think whenever we get to the point that they come clean with Janeway, she's going to make it right. And I know that sounds sappy and corny, but like, it's just in that moment, if I realized who Janeway is, even though she's emotional, even though she's emotional, when we put all our cards on the table, I think she'll play the best hand. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But but let me push back just a little bit on the emotion, because I, I want to clarify for anyone listening. I've been listening to you guys, and I want to just clarify, we're not saying because Janeway is a female captain no, that she is emotional. That is not what we're saying, or, you know, as a group. It is just when any captain, whether it be Picard, whether it be a uh, horny Picard, I mean, not Picard, a horny uh, (laughs) Kirk Kirk or whoever, you're letting your emotions get the best of you. Yeah. And and I think (laughs) from from my point of view, she just cares about her crew so much. And we see that family relationship that's formed over the course of, you know, the seven years in the Delta Quadrant. And that that's kind of my where I'm coming from with the emotional part of it. Well, and it's even more than it's more than family. Like there was a romantic interest with Chakotay. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Her right hand man in so many ways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least a, a hint of that uh, uh, relationship between them. I don't know if we ever got there, really. But yeah, we mentioned up top about these struggling dynamics 
of this story and this push and pull. And, and to your point, Jonathan, when Dow meets Janeway, she asks him the right questions. You know, do you want to join Starfleet? He's like, yes. But then it's that dynamic of the truth and what the truth might mean to this Janeway's reaction to him and, and the crew and the notion that they may have stole the protostar, you know, just all of those interactions between protostar crew and Janeway's crew, Dauntless crew, all played upon that dynamic. And I just thought it was wonderful. Now, the only one that <laughs> upset me, and I get it, it's just the culture. But Jankum Pog, like, oh, poor Jankum. He had a perfect opportunity. Oh, Jankum. He had a perfect opportunity to do it. But, <laughs> but it's not only that it was insulting and like it took him down a notch, but it was just the fact that the Tellerite culture, like, n- nothing comes before winning a good argument and, and dealing the best insult. And he sacrificed the goal. To win that argument or to hold his respect. Yeah. And I, that's what got me with that particular. Now, it's a good thing he probably didn't because he probably would have been arrested. And then maybe that would have solved the whole problem. And probably you could have ended it and then I'd have been upset. So. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was so hurtful. He said Pog is equal to a runt in the Tellerite <laughs> uh, um, society. Just man, that hurt my heart, dude. It really did. <laughs> but but we have to remember these are Tellerites, and what that guy said may not necessarily be the full description. Mm. But their culture mm. is to down the other person, especially in an argument, and they will say things like that to win that argument, whether it's true or not. Oh, that see, I I really hope you're right, uh, Jonathan, so that we can have that moment. I'm picturing it in my head where he finds out what it really means. Yeah, please. Because <laughs> you, know, you remember that episode of uh, Enterprise when Archer first met the Tellerites and he was trying to please them and make them happy. And for whatever he did, he would piss them off more. And he couldn't understand what was happening. But then once T'Pol kind of educated him on who the Tellerites were and how they like conflict and argument, then he was able to adjust and found out that they actually didn't dislike him. They just liked a good conflict. Yeah. Yeah, that was hard. <laughs> but good point. <laughs> good points all around. We also have the dynamic of Gwen meeting the Ensign, I forget her name, and, and learn that she's working with the Diviner. And, you know, again, we're talking about <laughs> conflicts and, and dynamics. This is another dynamic doesn't that doesn't allow our crew to move forward with I'm holding up uh, quotes here. Finding Starfleet. <laughs> and and she just has to tuck tail and run again. Uh, I I think just excellently written and played to to uh, once again have that dynamic of almost on the tip of being there, but so far away. And, you know, again, on in that particular interaction, like I think Jankum, I'm not Jankum, uh, Doll had the most valid reason for not coming forward. I think Gwen's, I think it was just more of the fear of father than this is a bad idea. She was running from dad. She wasn't running to save like, oh, this we I probably shouldn't come forward with them now because of what may happen to us. It was more of I'm running because my dad's there. Yeah. So, John, you mentioned Easter eggs up top. Do you want to talk about the big one? Uh, Well, <laughs> I, I don't know which one you would consider big for me. Because I'm an Enterprise fan, I just liked seeing the uh, reptilians. 
Oh, the Zindi? Yeah. Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That uh and I mean like I have a uh my trick trivia is gonna involve some of that too. So but that'll be next week. Oh, well, I didn't mean to stop you. If you want to do it, it still Oh, no, it. no, no. Because I, I, I want Harold's question answered. Because honestly, and Harold, if you're listening, you stumped me, buddy. And <laughs> listen, I've watched a lot of Trek and I couldn't, I can't come up with an answer. And add on top of that, a long time of Google searching. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, so we wait with bated breath. If you, John is teed it up. We're going to say it after our review. So stay tuned for that. Definitely. But yeah, John, I agree. It was awesome seeing the Zindi there. I don't even know if we've seen Zindi in anything other than this, Enterprise. This is the first time. It was well, so maybe cool. it's because it takes a long road to get them on anything else. I knew this was going down that road. <laughs> <laughs> Not well, just you know. any road, a long road. <laughs> yeah. Well, they made it. They made, they made it. it. <laughs> uh, so, Clarence, what about the other Easter egg? I know you're itching to tell us about that yeah. one. But before we get there, I'm going to say I did like singing the Klingon in the episode as well. And it's it's cool oh, to yeah. see on this shady outpost how they all st- kind of fear Starfleet and what Starfleet is or the Federation. I, I, I like that dynamic in this episode. But we have to talk about the big one for the TNG fans, Captain Thadium O'Connor, the Outrageous O'Connor. The big account, whatever, whatever the episode is. Yes, yes. So if you don't remember in that episode, he's kind of like, I kind of equate him to like the suave, almost like a Harry Mudd character, swindling character for the TNG era is kind of what he was. And um, it seems like he's continuing that path all these years later. <laughs> what happened? What, was he missing? He wasn't missing an eye. What happened? Wait, he didn't have an eye patch on? Not a TNG. Oh, you're right. You're right. He didn't have it in TNG. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's hard times being a, a, a space pirate. <laughs> Listen, he messed with one too many wives <laughs> or daughters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But very much the player of, of, of that episode of TNG. And uh, yeah, I went back and watched some clips just to get reacquainted. And yeah, he's, he's pretty fun in the episode. But we did have Billy Campbell reprising the role uh, in this episode, which is pretty amazing as well. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. And and I have to ask, this is not the first time we've seen him since TNG season two, episode four. We saw him, I think, in... Well, we did see him in Lower Decks, but I think it's the episode when they had the party at Starfleet headquarters and he was like oh, the DJ yeah. or something. Yeah. And I have to say, better use here. Better use here. We're going to just forget <laughs> about that other one. <laughs> well, see, I, I was expecting you to say something important like in Picard or a reference. <laughs> hey, it's important, man. It's important. Come on. I guess so. Jeez. But yeah, we almost get Akana becoming a part. You know, he helps them in The Great Escape and he almost is a part of the crew, which I thought was pretty interesting for them to do. And again, just Prodigy hitting on all cylinders by bringing in this character that was there for one episode. I'm pretty sure he was written about in in books or something, maybe. But bringing him into this episode and again, tying back to Chex Pass in a pretty brilliant way. Yeah, but that's going to present another problem because you're running from Starfleet as fugitives <laughs> and you've already <laughs> looks to be to destroy the station. You shot a, a torpedo at the flagship of the Federation. 
<sighs> you're running you know, like and then you take this guy on board a known smuggler and swindler like you don't do much for your reputation here but that being said you didn't intend to shoot at the <laughs> ship that was that, was, that was what cow what, what what happened to cause that torpedo to shoot at the is it the flagship uh, I guess well, uh, I'm gonna call it the flagship because it's <laughs> freaking massive and the vice admiral is on yeah. it. So. Oh, just seeing them face to face and yeah. how small the protostar was. Oh my god! Yeah, Kyle, talk about Murph man, your favorite character. So Murph has transmorphed, metamorphosized, <laughs> transmorphed, uh, I don't know. Uh, I was going to say it's morphing time, but then it made me sad because <laughs> yeah. of because of what happened this week or this past oh, week. Oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. But yeah, he's transmorphed. What, what, what do you think about the new Murph guy? What, what's going he, on here? He, he's like a little Murph, you know, like a Smurf, <laughs> but but not a Murph. He's a Smurf, maybe. I don't know. I, I like uh, Murph as Murph. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I've we've seen him as the same creature, but I guess now he's baby murph like oh, baby groot we trying to get on that baby Groot, baby baby yoda bandwagon or, or oh, maybe gosh mm. i feel like he digressed <laughs> no <laughs> this is a bit the last puddle before how can he digress you give him arms and hands and the first thing he does is cause a, <laughs> a colossal incident yeah yeah that's what dreams are made of i guess i don't know <laughs> but it's cool to see him transform hopefully it's not his last transformation I'm I'm thinking like once a season or something we'll keep seeing him transform. I'm glad that he transformed because uh, he was utterly useless before. I'm just being honest. Uh, might as well not even have him on a ship. Maybe they meant him to be some of a cute, cuddly character, but he wasn't. See, I I, I I've got to get, disagree with you. I I did like him for what he was because he was something that you didn't see usually in regular. You know, I know there was a similar character on the Orville, uh, even though I really haven't watched but like one or two episodes of that. I know there was yeah. some yeah, gl- globular type <laughs> character. Globular. <laughs> but, but that said, I just hope that we don't have this continued transformation too quickly. Yeah. And, because if you do have it too quickly, and he, I do not want Murph to be the catalyst that brings this story to a close because then I think you've written the story or you've written the character out of the story to some degree. Uh, I get that. Now I will say as it relates to Yafit off of the Orville, it was an advantage for him being smart because then he had stuff to do that was kind of cool. You know, he could like go into a robot and fix stuff and he was an engineer, so right. he he could at least do some cool things. But Murph, eh. oh listen, Murph can swallow a protostar. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, okay. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. I mean, if you need something powerful to disappear or protect somebody, like put it in Murph. <laughs> well, no, that's a bad choice. <laughs> but but let, let, let's stay with that. Imagine the no, power that this no 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 listen. Imagine the power that this being could have as a being that yeah. if they're you know as the transmorphation continues, if you as a whatever it was, let's say this was the baby version that we saw. Yeah. Imagine how much power this being could have when it reaches adulthood. Yeah. Mm. And and I don't think they thought of this. Couldn't he swallow the construct? 
Good point. Good point. Or the fact that he is no longer what he was, is that power even still there? And I'm going to get some t-shirts print. It's going to say, it's Murph or nothing. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) It's Murph or nothing. (laughs) So uh, let, let me say this. Let me say this real quick. Although Jacob got the most hurtful response of the whole episode by getting called, he's a runt. Let's pan the camera in real slowly zoom in there. He got the coolest line of the episode when he tells Okana, you know, yeah, oh, this is warp four where we barely moving. He's like, this is warp 9.97. Hold on to your butt, pal. (laughs) (laughs) So freaking cool. So cool, man. (laughs) Yeah. Jacob always hits you with a good line here and there. I I, I love him. And it's almost, I guess you would call him the comic relief, but I, I kind of felt like Murph was the comic relief. Yeah. Well, again, I don't know what Murph is, but. So one last question for you guys. And, you know, if you have any other comments, we can we can talk about it. But I want to ask about the neutral zone and bringing the Romulans into this. I never saw that. Again, they keep hitting us with this stuff I've never saw coming. <laughs> and they brought the freaking dynamics of the neutral zone, which we've seen since TOS back in the day. They brought that into this episode. Golf clap, mm. golf clap. So good. <laughs> and man, and it adds so much complication to the story. But it also gave, I feel like that gave the writers a exit route to a new city, if that makes sense. Mm. Like they have by doing that, they have so much more room to expand on this story. Now, it could be at a detriment because if we get too complicated here, we're going to lose track of what's important and what we're after. But so far, based on previous evidence, the writers have done a superb job and I can't wait to see what they do with this storyline. So, so Kyle, I have to ask you if they eventually get to Starfleet, you know, somehow, some way. Where do we see the, I mean, I'm at Vax's last week, but I don't, you know, we can't be trying to get the Starfleet for the next four years or whatever, however long this show lasts. I'm I'm just trying to figure out in my head, what's the next step or are we, or is that the goal? We're always going to be searching for Starfleet. Well, Janeway was looking for the Alpha Quadrant for seven years. <laughs> but that's different. We were removed <laughs> 77,000 million, whatever light years from home. Come on. Yeah. And it wasn't until about the fifth end of the fourth, fifth, maybe even into the sixth before we actually got that hint of hope, Yeah, you know, that, that you were going to make it. We've got that hint of hope. So uh, your question is totally valid in the sense of we've got the sense, I mean, we've got that hope. We've, this episode is face to face with Starfleet. So, yeah. you know, I don't know, you know, the, the first thing that I thought of when you asked me that question was, do they stay together? Does it become something like of an academy of sort? Mm. Maybe. That we could be can't. interesting. Logic mm. says that they wouldn't stay together, but then logic says that when the Discovery crew gets to spoilers, gets to where they're going <laughs> in a certain season, that they would all be split up. That didn't happen. So... I don't, I really don't know. I I would think that you've got this interesting ship and you've got these characters that are growing. I want to, I want to say something's going to happen that they get to go off 
on their own mm. thing. Does that mean adding another character that is along with Janeway? I don't know. I'd rather not, actually. You know, I don't see Admiral Janeway joining. So honestly, I have no clue. I'm just speculating. So I got a speculation. So my first question was, I was thinking, well, if they make it to Starfleet, like, what else could they do? Like, it's over after yeah. that. You would think. But you bring up a good point in Discovery, like, and I don't know, I'd have to sit down and do the math on the timeline. But, I mean, are we to assume there's somewhere in that timeline where we've lost warp drive? Because I hadn't seen a ship. Well, yeah, they have been going to warp. Yeah, they have. So, so never mind. Mm-hmm. I was going to say maybe they'd have to use the protostar to get somewhere or something, and that would be the continuation of it. But, I mean, short of that, like, I I would hate to see Prodigy end, and I think getting to Starfleet is the end. Yeah, or maybe it's just like a two-season series, and that's it, you know? It may it it may not have been made created to be like a long, multi-season series. If they end Prodigy before they end Lord that. But you know what? I, I'll say this. I do. I have faith in the writers because their writers have not stirred me wrong yet. And, and they may have some hiccups, but so far, man, I'm on board with what they're doing. Yeah, but I mean, you got, I mean, Firefly was an example of great writing that ended. Yeah, true. True. I can attest to that. But Firefly, without going off on a tangent was the victim of being on a network and it didn't get fully envisioned. This is coming with the luxury of having a propaganda machine of marketing, of parent company, et cetera, and so forth. So they really have carte blanche to tell that story in its completeness. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So guys, with that, we're going to wrap up. I'm going to go ahead and give my rating for the episode. I'm going to give it a five. I loved every aspect for it. I love the dynamics. I love the conflict. I love the seemingly so close to resolution. I think it was just so great (laughs) in every aspect. I really love this episode. A solid five from me. Mr. Jones, how do you rate this episode? Without a doubt. Hands down. Hands up. Hands all around. (laughs) Solid five. (laughs) And you do the hokey pokey. (laughs) and you turn your murph around oh okay okay we're starting a thing here we're doing a thing john what do you think man uh five just Mm. just five like i i can't you can't even play with it there's no room for error that it's a five awesome awesome for everybody listening what did you think of star trek prodigy crossroads you can send feedback about this episode or anything else you want us to talk about to fans at discussingtrek.com or hit us up at discussing trek on any and all social medias you can also use those outlets to respond to trek trivia and we have a special guest trek trivia from harold connor i'm sorry (laughs) and john what is harold's trek trivia all right, so Harold Connor, uh, he is a longtime listener, and he answered my last trick trivia question, but he presented us with a new one. So I'm going to present it to our listeners. What was the name of the 1980s TV series that starred two actors as principal cast members who also starred as principal cast members in a Star Trek TV series? 
This is such a good question because I don't think my 80s TV knowledge is that vast. I mean, of course, we know other shows that has had Star Trek people star in. What's the Denny Crane? We love that one. Yeah. I mean, they had plenty, but they weren't. I don't think there was two principal cast members. Well, maybe. Well, yeah. Odo come in later. Yeah. And then you had that one with uh, Cisco. What what series was that? Was TJ? Uh, C- is it T- CJ Tucker? No, TJ. No, no, no. You're, you're, you're thinking TJ Hooker, but that's what I was about to say. Was that the 80s, though? I thought that was the 70s. No, TJ Hooker was the Is that 80s. the one where he played Hulk or somebody? Yeah, Hulk, Hulk is the spinoff of TJ yeah. Hooker. So I think we might have an answer. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> is that our final answer, guys? <laughs> oh, TJ Hooker? Uh, Cut that out because I think I'm right. Or Spencer for Hire or something, wasn't it? Spencer for Hire, I think, was it. We did not look it up. We organically came up with it. So <laughs> I think our answer is valid. So we 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 melded mind. We did sort of a mind mill here, Harold. And we kind of came up with- It was only with, logical. It's only logical. We came up with an answer. I don't know if it's the answer, but what is the name of that show again, John? Spencer for Hire. Spencer for Hire. That is our final answer. We may be wrong. We'll find out next week, I guess. But- But if you're listening, what did you think the answer was? And the question, once again, was what was the name of the 1980s TV series that starred two actors as principal cast members who also starred as principal cast members in a Star Trek TV series? Hmm. (laughs) I don't know if we need to we need to air this because we're wrong. (laughs) Well, you know, you win some, you lose some. With that, guys, we'll go ahead and wrap right here. Thanks to everyone for joining Again, hit us up on all the, the various outlets, DiscussingTrek.com or at DiscussingTrek on any of our social medias. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. been listening to the discussing network find out more at discussingnetwork.com